Today we're going to look at some scriptures about the birth of Jesus Christ. Now I know that a lot of people probably are going to think we're going to turn to Matthew the first chapter, maybe Luke the second chapter. For a while we thought about maybe turning to Isaiah. What a great passage of scripture is there in Isaiah that tells us unto us a child is born unto us a son is given his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father thankful i know who jesus is but we're going to turn to a scripture that maybe is not going to be so commonly read today we're going to turn to the book of revelation revelation 12 verse 3 It says, and there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold, a red, great red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns, seven crowns upon his heads and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was to be born. She brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. This is, in Scripture, very clear to us as we begin to read. For sake of time, we did not read the first few verses here of Revelation 12, but we recognize there is a woman that is representative of representing Israel and We see the birth of Jesus from the people of Israel, this child that would be born and would be caught up to the throne of God that would be born so that he could rule the nations. This is none other than God manifested in the flesh, God with us, Emmanuel, as we read there in Matthew, the first chapter, we also see in spiritual illustration how when Jesus was born, the enemy, Satan, was already there in the person of Herod and the government of Rome to destroy the child, to work against what the plan of God was. This is always the case from the very beginning. We're going to see. We understand In the book of John, how he goes back before Bethlehem, goes to the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here we see Jesus as the Word of God. The word that is used in the original language there in the Greek is logos. It is Uh, as a thought or an idea that is expressed before a word is spoken. It is first the thought, the idea in the mind of the one who is going to be speaking. And then it is expressed. It is manifested. It is spoken and made known. And God, from the foundation of the world, almighty God, had a purpose, had a plan in his heart and mind to come and be a redeemer, be a savior, and to have a church that he would rescue from their sins and would glorify and bring to 
be with Him to dwell eternally in heaven. And the Bible tells us that that Word that was had to become flesh was immediately attacked by the by the enemy, by that dragon. We see in Revelation 12 that dragon, Satan, has seven heads, ten horns, crowns upon his head. This is the human government that he works through to perform his evil purpose of trying to destroy the Word. Jesus manifested here in Bethlehem. We see this, this beautiful picture of what is going on in the purpose and the plan of God as, as God would manifest Himself in the flesh, make Himself the image of the invisible God, the visible part of an invisible almighty God, that He could come in the form of humanity, that He could bear our sins and pay our penalty for sin. If we turn to Revelation, the 17th chapter, we see more about this, this dragon. The Bible tells us in Revelation, the 17th chapter, verse 3, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Here we see this dragon now being called a beast, still operating in the governmental authorities of the world in that day. And But now on this beast, not only is there the horns and the crowns, but there is also another woman. Now, the book of Revelation does talk about another woman, the bride of Christ, a virgin, a pure, separated, sanctified woman that represents God's people, the church that will be raised up one day to meet him forever and that he has prepared his bride. He has prepared us in holiness and in separation, but This is not the bride. As God represents His people, His church that He has redeemed as a pure virgin bride, this is quite another kind of woman. The Bible says she is a harlot. The Bible says this woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken, with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. I have heard the idea of this mystery Babylon, many different ideas about it, 
years ago, there were many books written when trouble started happening over in Iraq, which would be modern day Babylon, the close vicinity of it. And people thought there was going to be a revival of the Babylonian empire and that Saddam Hussein was going to rise up and be a uh, modern day Nebuchadnezzar and possibly the Antichrist. And I've heard other people in more recent days describe this Babylon empire as America and uh, her influence and wealth in the world. But this is not Babylon, but this is mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. And you see in the imagery what she really is. As God so frequently in the word of God calls his church his bride, we see this other character played out in prophecy that is not a pure separated, holy woman, holy bride unto God, but she is a harlot or a whore. She has been unfaithful. It is mystery Babylon that is not a city or a nation, but a system, a system of false religion, a system of what was intended to be pure, twisted and perverted, and being more concerned with gain and money than truth and a relationship with a holy God. We see this harlot, this whore that is decked in purple and scarlet color, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. This is all a a show of her great riches, her wealth. How the modern church that puts forth a false doctrine, puts forth the lies that are continuously centered around money. Filthy lucre. We see early on, and we're going to talk about this more, the, the, the Roman Catholic Church there, the works of art, the gold, the the thrones and the scepters of gold and all the, the trappings of their idolatry. It is said that it is priceless. There, there cannot be a, 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 a value put on some of the possessions of the Vatican because there's nothing like it. And how much of their power has gone out through the world. But not only in the Roman Catholic Church, but in its offspring, its daughters, if you will, that have taken her false doctrines and have gone out and from her daughters of this harlot that that build up their own kingdoms for their own financial gain. How evil it is to to think that some of the the mega churches, some of the largest religious organizations, denominations in this land today that are so rich and increased with goods, but they they cannot say silver and gold have I none. But they also 
in their form of godliness deny the power of God and have no no anointing to be able to see the sick healed, to see the needs of the souls of of their people met. The Bible says that she is carrying a cup full of the filthiness of her fornication, the doctrines of that church. Before we go into that, it says in verse 6, the woman is drunken with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs. In studying the history of uh, of the church from the time of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and the 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 time that the church was moving and forward in the book of Acts, Rome was the the leading power of of mankind in the world that day, and Rome was was violent against the church the Colosseum, that the ruins are still there today that the gladiators and the wild beasts would fight they would throw the christians into that Colosseum and for sport watch them be devoured or 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 cut into pieces brutally it is said in history that the christians of that day met their death with such grace and with such peace knowing that they were we're going to a better place that there were those that were in the stands that would see what kind of bloodthirsty mob they were a part of and see the peace and feel the conviction of their sins and say that I don't identify with this mob screaming out for blood. I, I want what they have. And it's said that they would turn to God and, and join those that were in that Colosseum in their, in their martyrdom. When Rome, some 250, 300 years later, had a sort of conversion, if you will, from the mighty Roman Empire to the Holy Roman Empire, and the beginnings of the Roman Catholic Church began to mix like Daniel's statue and its its feet of of iron which was representative of of rome and and the miry clay clay which is meant to represent the hearts of of sincere men and women that could be molded and shaped by the gospel but this was miry dirty filthy clay the holy roman empire so called was was a mixture of governmental power and might of the roman government and the lies of a of a system of false religion that was now backed by the army of Rome. And those that would not bow to the Pope and to the, the lies of the Roman Catholic Church were, were martyred by the millions. We know, I've taken my family several times, different preachers that come to town. We've taken them to Washington, D.C. We've spent hours in the Holocaust Museum, the, the, the horrible horrible history of Adolf Hitler that rose to power and decided to, in his evil mind, to cleanse the earth of of the Jewish people and is guilty of some 6.8 million that died at his hands. But history tells us that when the Catholic Church was in full power, 
and was going through the land through the inquisitions and and the 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 crusades that some 68 million were slaughtered who would not bend the knee to Rome and their false religions 10 times more than than Adolf Hitler ever had a chance to slaughter this false religion that has killed its tens of millions of people. Going back to the idea of that cup that was in her hand, that cup of abominations and filthiness of her fornication, kind of tells us uh, as we look back to the beginnings of this false religion, this apostasy that happened. We see it starting in Scripture. We can see false doctrines, false teachers that are arising. But when Constantine, a few hundred years after Jesus had died and rises to power and feels as though he has had a vision and that God was calling him to to conquer under the sign of a cross and that he wanted to be a Christian like these and wanted to end the persecution and the suffering of the Christians. But he saw in Rome, Rome was filled with idolatry, statues and temples unto false pagan gods like Zeus and Apollo and Jupiter and Athena and and Venus and all these false gods with their false worship, the ceremony, the the festivals that they used, the sacrifices they gave, and all the different ways that they worshipped these false gods. And as sad as it is that Constantine was not a sincere man, like some of the like some of the great. Uh, Men of the word of God that moved into power when Israel, like like uh, Josiah or Hezekiah or Jehoshaphat, they'd see the, the idolatry and they'd tear it down. They would cleanse the land from it like God told them to in his word. But Constantine had an idea. Maybe we can compromise. I don't want to make anybody upset by taking away their favorite festivals and feasts and ways to worship these false gods It because in the center of all false worship is flesh. It's what pleases me. It's what I like. And, and so Constantine, rather than pull down all the idols, he, he mixed the iron and the mari clay. He, he said, this is no longer the temple of Athena and a statue of her. This is St. Mary. And this is the mother of of Jesus and we're going to bow before this statue no matter what the Bible says about worshiping these idols well we're just going to mix this and this is no longer uh, Apollo or Saturn or Jupiter this is St. Peter and St. Matthew and and their days of celebration their methods of Worship and sacrifice to these gods were were mixed and mingled with Christianity. Where do we 
get the ideas of a pope, nuns, a purgatory, prayer to the saints, prayer for the dead, rosary beads, bowing before statues of saints, Mary being the mediator between us and Jesus. Where do we get the idea of infant baptism? These are mixtures of paganism that have been brought in to a unfaithful so-called church. And it is also where we come with, up with the idea that very well documented, anybody with, that can uh, Google a question will be able to find out that this has been very well documented, that everything I've said to this point, but also, how did we come up with a day of December 25th as the birthday of Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't give us any description of that day or when it was or that we should celebrate this or how to sell. It's, it's completely absent from Scripture. Certainly nothing about holly and mistletoe and all the trappings. Where did it come from? Well, we find out that these were very popular pre-Christian pagan celebrations surrounding the solstice because the pagans would see that the days are getting shorter as we move towards the end of December and and their idea was we're going to have a festival and we are going to pray to the gods that that the sun won't continue to go away it has to come back again so the days can start getting longer so we're going to have a day that was celebrated called Saturnalia a day of feasting, a day of giving gifts, a day of celebration to bring back the sun. The decision to celebrate December 25th as the day of Jesus' birth was not based on any biblical clues or hints. Historical evidence points instead to it being chosen hundreds of years after Jesus' birth in order to align with the winter solstice. Many ancient sun-worshipping religions celebrated the birthday of their various sun gods, or on the winter solstice in the northern hemisphere, the shortest day of the year, because from that day, the sun began growing in strength again. So, I, I really believe that most churches today can understand that this is very well documented history. That there's no evidence at all that Jesus was born on December 25th, on in fact, the contrary is more evident of, of him being born at another date uh, during the year. Maybe not specifically what date we could know, but certainly not in December, let alone on the 25th. This came from the pagan worship of the sun and was assimilated into the through the Roman Catholic Church. That great harlot and Revelation 17 of false religion that had many daughters and that you'll see that though there were men and women that that uh, that stood against the Catholic Church in some of the more extreme false doctrines that began to arise throughout the years money making schemes and control that they would have over uh, the Word of God and not letting anyone really be able to even understand it because they would re-translate re it into Latin. And men like Martin Luther, John Wesley, many of the reformers, now 
understand it's reformers. These aren't people who were going to make a clean break and, and walk away from the Catholic Church, but they still held a lot of the prime beliefs of this Catholic Church, but came out like daughters, still holding on to some of those false doctrines. And this is why we have so many denominations. And if you'll remember, it talks about those names of blasphemy in Revelation 17. That so many, if you ask them, do you, are you a child of God? Do you love Jesus? I'm a Lutheran or I'm a Methodist or I'm a, uh, a, a Catholic or a men. I have a name that I'm alive, the Bible says, but you don't really understand. The Bible tells us about one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So many that cling to that understanding of having this name of a church, name of a denomination, a man-made organization. But there's no life in that. There's no life in that at all. So many of these Protestant denominations that came out of the Roman Catholic Church, these denominations that hold her doctrines of baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost hold, many of them hold the traditions that the, the power and the baptism of the Holy Ghost is, is done away with. It's gone. It's no longer for today. All these completely non-biblical doctrines. But when it comes to the celebration of Jesus' birthday, more often it is said, well, we're going to take these things. We're going to take the things that were pagan and heathen, and we're going to use them for a celebration of Jesus, for a, a, a worshiping him and glorifying him. And, and, and uh, what, a, what a noble thought, I suppose, that people will say, well, we know it's pagan. We know where it comes from. Come on, you're not telling us anything. But we are going to use that to honor God. And, and what could be wrong with that? Well, let's look in our Bible and see what uh, what God says about it. Is there something wrong with taking heathen, pagan practices and bringing them into our worship of the one true God? Deuteronomy tells us very clearly that the children of Israel, and once they were taken out of bondage, out of Egypt, they would go into a promised land. Now, there were nations inhabiting the promised land. Those nations were pagan. They worshipped many false gods. Those gods and their methods of worship were directly descending from Babylon or the 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 book of Genesis talks about Nimrod and beginning the, the, the nation the, the, of Babylon, the, the Tower of Babel we're very familiar with. And, and those heathen, pagan, self-centered worship, if I could say that. Remember, they were building this tower to, to make a name for themselves rather than to humble themselves and to, to give themselves to God. Now... 
these pagan worship practices were in the land of Canaan. And God said, I'm going to bring my people into that land. I'm going to bring them into that, that promised land. But this is what I want you to do. When the Lord thy God in Deuteronomy 12, verse 29, when the Lord thy God shall cut off the nations from before thee, whither thou goest to possess them, and thou succeedest them and dwellest in their land, take heed, take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by following them. I want you to be careful. See, false religion, false doctrine is seductive. Remember, the Bible talks about seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. He says, you be careful. Take heed to thyself that thou be not snared by following them. After that, they be destroyed from before thee. And that thou, listen, thou inquire not after their God, saying, how did these Nations serve their gods. Even so will I do likewise. Don't inquire and say, now how did you worship your false pagan gods? So that I can, I think that looks like fun. That seems enjoyable to me. Don't do that unto me. He says, thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God. Verse 31, not do what? Don't take their practices and bring them in and say, I'm going to take something bad and make something good about it. He said, don't do that. Why not? For every abomination to the Lord, which he hateth, have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters, they have burned in the fire to their gods. What things soever I command you, Observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereto nor diminish from it. God says, this is what I like. I'm going to tell you what I like. I'm going to tell you. And I don't want you to try to come up with a new way. I don't want you to try to uh, bring in a way that, that, that the pagans worship their gods. I hate that. Don't, don't bring that to me. I've said so many times about uh, if there was a certain food that I would like for a long time, I didn't like black olives. And I've kind of gotten over that a little bit. I like them in maybe some in a pizza or in an Italian dish. Uh, uh, I don't really just eat them out of a jar very much, but that's just my personal preference. And if you love them, God bless you. But if I told my wife I detest black olives and she said, well, you know what? I put some in tonight's dinner. Why? Why would you do that? Well, I, 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 it's not a lot. I just maybe put a little bit of the juice in there, but I hate that. Why would you don't, oh, I did it because I care about you. I'd love you. Now, maybe, maybe she's looking at something that she would enjoy because if she wanted to please me, she certainly would not put something in my dinner that I detest. God says, I, this is the kind of worship I love. I love spirit and truth and don't bring what I hate into this. If we can prove, and we, I believe we have, and there's so much more, so much more information, just, just go search this, search this out. There's so much information that says this is not only not biblical, something God did not ask for, something the disciples never practiced, but we can see specifically that it came from false worship. And God says, don't, don't adopt that and bring it to me. 
don't look at the way of the heathen and and bring that to me. I hate that. I'll tell you how to worship me. And I don't want you adding to it or taking away from it. We see in Jeremiah, the 10th chapter, something very similar, but something also very specific, really, to the season. Jeremiah 10, hear ye the word of the Lord that which hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. Don't learn his ways. Don't look at how he say, well, I'm not doing this under the sun, God. God says, don't learn their ways and bring them to me. Learn not the way of the heathen. Be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at the signs of them. What are we talking about? The solstice and the, the, the lengthening and the shortening and the lengthening of the days. Don't be dismayed at that. That's what the heathens do. And we're not going to fashion our worship around the solstice. He talks about the customs. For the customs of people are vain. God says they're vain. What custom? Well, one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. You'll see green trees mentioned throughout the worship of false deities throughout the, the Old Testament. He says, this is their custom. They're vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They are upright as a palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born or carried because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is there in them to do good. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, that thou art great and thy name is great in might. Say, Pastor, I'm telling you, there's no way that they were having Christmas trees in Jeremiah's day. No, I don't believe that at all. But the same practice of bringing that tree out of the forest and into the house, fixing it and decking it with silver and gold, whatever they were using it for, their ways, he says, do not follow their ways. And yet so many churches today will have Christmas trees in their churches, on their platforms. People have them in their homes. And God says, That's those ways, well, I don't worship that. He doesn't say don't worship. He says, don't learn their ways. Well, I, I don't think of it that way, but it's their ways, not God's ways. I've heard people say, well, I don't think it really has anything to do with idolatry. You know, Martin Luther is given credit for bringing the idea of a Christmas tree into Christian worship. Martin Luther was a man Though he had courage in his day to stand against some of the horrible things the Catholic Church was doing. I, I think if you would study more about Martin Luther, and he was far from a man that believed the truth of this Bible. And he was a man that believed that in his later writings that every home of every Jewish family was to be broken down and dug into the earth and covered up as a dung heap. His anti-Semitic writings were fuel for the Third Reich and Adolf Hitler's genocide in his day. 
why we would think that something Martin Luther thought was a great idea for worshiping God rather than just stay with the word of God. Learn not the way of the heathen. Bible says, if we go back to Revelation, the 18th chapter, talking about that mystery Babylon. Revelation 18.10 says, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, the great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. We're seeing the judgment now of this mystery Babylon. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise. They're worried more about their, like the idol makers there in Athens, that they're worried about their trade. And it goes on and talks about the merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, scarlet, silk and scarlet, thinine wood, and all manner of vessels of ivory, manners of vessels of most precious wood, brass and iron and marble, cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep, horses, chariots and slaves and souls of men. That's what false religion is trading for riches, for a name, for a kingdom, the souls of men. The truth we see very clearly that when false religion raises up their kingdom and preaches a false doctrine and tells men and women of a lies, lies about Jesus' birthday, lies about the gospel lies about the new birth and they're comfortable with that. They'd rather have a message that is a, a simple asking Jesus into their heart rather than a repentance and a burial of baptism and an infilling of the Holy Ghost. They'd rather hear that God's grace is just closes his eyes to sin rather than separation and holiness and dedication to God. They are walking into a trap and that church is making merchandise off of the men's souls being lost. Before this great city Babylon, this mysterious, false religious system that covers the globe is destroyed God says in verse 4, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and receive not her plagues. Come out from her. Separate yourself from false religion, false teachers and lies. Stay with the word of God. Come out from among them. The Bible says, be ye separate. John 4, Jesus says very clearly to the woman at the well, Behold, but the rather, but the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father. How? In spirit and in truth. The ceremonies, the celebrations. It's more about what we like, isn't it? It's more about what we enjoy rather than a heart that is humble, broken before God, loving Him, dedicating. How many people in this world so far from what the Bible calls a Christian, even atheists, 
that are celebrating so-called the birth of Jesus and His birthday. Those that many are showing up at a midnight mass drunk. Some that I've, I've come across even here of recent days. Just here it is, the, the great celebration of the birthday of Jesus drunk out of their minds. How sad. How sad. Bible says God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God's looking for a heart that can surrender and submit a heart that is humble. And they can say, God, I'm offering to you my life. I'm going to turn from sin. I'm going to turn from my will and my way. I'm going to turn from idolatry. I'm going to turn from false teachings and false doctrine and turn to you with all my heart in repentance going to follow you, Lord, be buried with you in baptism and be filled with your spirit and love you and worship you according to your word. Sadly, sadly, the book of Revelation tells us about those that are outside the kingdom, those that do not enter in, the sorcerers, the whoremongers, the murderers, the idolaters. And it doesn't just say the liars in this passage. Those that would make a lie, but those that would love a lie. There are many today that are not willing to lay down the lies that they love. To walk and worship in truth. Today, I want you to know that I love everything in this word about Jesus, his birth, his life, his ministry, his miracles, his death, burial, his resurrection. I love every bit of this truth. and That's why it's so holy. That's why it should trouble us when we mix the message with lies, with heathen practices that have nothing to do with Jesus. I want this world to see the great blessings, the great an awesome life, an abundant life that God gives as we lay down our ways and our will that has not gotten us anywhere in our lives and just take up our cross and follow him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I pray, Lord God, I pray for each one here today that has heard this, Lord, your word, and I pray they will They will search the scriptures, as you have said, search the scriptures for in them. In them scriptures, Lord, they say they have eternal life, but they testify of these truths. They testify of you. Help us, Lord. To lay down our will and to pick up our Bibles. To follow you. To worship you in spirit and truth. And to give our souls, our lives to you day by day. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.